Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pick and Pod. I'm Chris Persiane, and here alongside Nick Feda and Colin Lochran, my two buddies with me here from the station today, to discuss none other than some games that occurred on the biggest of reached its conclusion. The Golden State Warriors are champions once again. Draymond Green has a fourth ring to boast about. Steph Curry probably will discuss this, but you know, at least has a full foot, more than dipping a toe in the lake. He's got a full foot in that top 10 discussion at this point. Um, and Boston, well, they're a young team, so they've they, 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 there's some hope to be brought from this. But I also think that the bigger the stage you get to, the brighter the lights are and the brighter your flaws are exposed on national television. So lots of stuff to discuss about the Celtics. Luckily for us, we've got some experts with us here today. That's why I've got Colin and Nick with me. Before we get into this, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great, Chris. I mean, all things considered, it was a wonderful season for the Celtics. I never thought they would make it as far as they did. You of all people knows that best from our weekly discussions about the Knicks and Celtics. I was very much in the camp of first round exit at best. They might even completely miss out on the playoffs. They made some moves. They got Derek White, other pieces. They broke dice back. The defense took off. The energy shifted. As Jalen Brown said, he made yep. a fabulous hire. I have to give all the credit in the world to Brad Stevens on that now. But really, people forget last this time last summer, no one thought the Celtics would be in the NBA Finals. No one even thought they'd be in the second round of the playoffs, quite frankly. So I think Celtics fans have a lot to be proud of. I do feel as though there is a ceiling to this group, and we might have just seen the ceiling instead of the floor going forward, if that makes sense. I look at Jason Tatum. I see a very unexperienced player, but we'll get into all that. As for Stephen Curry, yeah, he's very much in those top 10 discussions now. I think you're quite right. It's hard not to put him in the top seven or six discussions, depending on who you are. But overall, a lot to talk about. I'm excited to be here with you both. Yeah, I'm even happier now, Colin. Those takes, I, I'm, I'm already ready to get going with you. Uh, it's, uh, it's great always talking hoops. It's crazy that the season uh, has come to an end. It's, it's a bittersweet time, of course. Uh, I think both teams being in the position they were, uh, it, it fared, I think, pretty similarly or, or accurate as to what a lot of people thought, uh, I think. Golden State was clearly just the more experienced kind of big brother sort of team to these guys, to every team they beat in the playoffs this season. Uh, and Boston was there. They showed it could be their year, but uh, Golden State just kind of sniffed that in the bud. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I think I'll jump right into the point with the floor for the Celtics. I do think they can get right back to the spot. I think the only thing they really might be missing could potentially be just more experience. Will that come in a year's time? Maybe not. Uh, but the talent on that team is remarkable uh, on both ends of the floor. Clearly, that's where they got or why they got to the finals. Excuse me. But uh, I, I think they really have a chance. It may not be next year, but within these next few years, Boston's going to be right in that finals mix every year to, to really put themselves in position to win it. 
For sure. I mean, Tatum is so young. I know it's fun to make fun of him because he crumbled under the brightest lights and NBA fans have heard so much about how he's only 19 and he's only 20. He's only 21. He's only 22. He's only 24 now. Like, uh, you know, it makes sense that we make fun of him as a, as a fan of the league. Right. But when you think about it, this guy's and I, I'm going to get to this in a second uh, that he's been to four conference finals in his career. He has an Olympic gold medal. This is a kid who is probably like, I, I think it's safe to just say he's elite on both ends of the court. Uh, you know, a lot of wings get compared to Paul George around now, around draft time. A lot of wings get. Co- oh, well, if everything goes right, I could see him being like Paul George and none of them even come close. Jason Tatum has the offense, the scoring, the playmaking, the athleticism, the defense, the one on one attention, the team defense, the wingspan. This is a guy who might actually live up to something like a Paul George comparison, which is, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm higher on Paul George than you guys, but like he would be the closest thing this league has seen to something like what just that archetype since prime Tracy McGrady, I think would be like the last great player in that slithery wing playmaking, defending, scoring elite at all three. Like PG is really good. Right. And so I make this point to say that Tatum being only only 24. Well, that actually matters. You know, I think getting embarrassed on the biggest stage actually matters. I think we saw Giannis Antetokounmpo go up against the Toronto Raptors two to one and lose that series and come back with a fire under his butt that we just you can't quantify that. Right. You can't say, oh, Giannis will be. You can't quantify him staying up until 2 a.m. every night like a psychopath lifting weights and watching film and working on his jump shot. There are no stats for that. That's the kind of stuff that I'm really excited to see. How does Tatum respond? For someone who seems to look up to Kobe Bryant so much, this adversity is, you know, I, I, I can't wait to, you know, this is a positive spin on this. I can't wait to see how he bounces back. Now, I do have to say in regards to that experience, One point I'd like to make is I think Golden State's experience was a little overstated in this series, not saying they don't have all the experience in the world, but the Celtics, the finals since Jason Tatum was drafted, they have a lot of experience playing in the playoffs. They just haven't made it to this stage yet. However, when you play as many good teams as they have, when you match up with LeBron, (laughs) you go to seven, all of that. I don't know. That's pretty good experience to me. And this series to me came down to a very interesting discrepancy in two regards. The first regard was statistically, analytically, yada, yada, how favored the Celtics were. I thought the Celtics should be favorites in this series. My pick was Golden State to win it, but I thought the Celtics should be favored because of their size, their their length, their height, their physicality. Look at Rob Will. Look at Grant Will. These are guys that are big and tough, right? But I liked Golden State. The reason for that is because I didn't like the Celtics ball handling in the clutch. And playoff games are pretty much the whole game is the clutch, right? So especially in the finals, the effort is really up. That is the clutch starts in the fourth quarter. And I didn't like Boston. I thought Boston would lose the games. I didn't think Golden State would win them as a function of Boston being younger. Maybe that experience matters there. But again, where's the ball handling? You know, even if Drew Holiday was their point guard, I'm not talking about needing the handles master Kyrie or Steph or whoever, like just just Drew Holiday would have done wonders for that team. Right. So 
I, I that was one thing was I thought that the Celtics should have been favored. The other thing, though, and this is, you know, a little maybe emotional. You can say it's not fact based, whatever. Stats can't account for Steph Curry not having gone come clear in the playoffs before the finals. And guess what? <laughs> That's what he did. So, uh, you know, I, you got to love Golden State for this. I mean, Andrew Wiggins being the second best player on a championship winning team is really interesting. And I think something that a lot of people who wrote him off years back would never have expected. I think it really shows how much situation matters in terms of development. I was just talking to one of the assistant coaches over at Princeton today, talking about Wiggins himself and some other guys who like we think could really benefit from a change of scenery in the league, Julius Randle being another one right now. Um, but I, I, I want to get to your guys' thoughts on how this finals went. And I kind of alluded to the way I'm going to ask this, the soapbox of this. I'm going to start with Colin as a Boston fan. Do you think the Warriors won this series or that the Celtics lost it? Because I do think there's a difference. Well, you gave me a lot to think about there, Chris, but the Celtics definitely lost it more than the Warriors won. I mean, they turned the ball over 23 times in game six. Tatum didn't show up, obviously, with 13 points. And I think you're right to a degree about experience where how much experience do you want before it's time to put up or shut up? My point would be that the Celtics don't have enough winning experience. Like they've been there, right? They're there when LeBron is running rampant through Boston Garden. Like, yeah, they're in the room, but they don't know what to do when they're actually there. And I think we saw that against the Warriors, because let's be honest, this was not Clay Thompson, his finest. This was not Draymond Green at his finest. Their prime was in the, in the golden run with those Warriors. I mean, really Curry went nuclear, that helped them. But other guys there were not from that playoff grouping that we saw for, for those years with Durant. I mean, look at a guy like Kaminga. He had his time in the playoffs here, and no one really saw him coming from 10 ways to Sunday, but he had a good experience in this playoffs. He was able to get the job done. My point here would be that the Celtics most definitely lost this series more than the Warriors won it. I think when you go up two to one, you have a responsibility to then win another game at home, knowing damn well what's coming next. Like, it's not like anyone was saying, oh, the Celtics are going to win this series now. They're up to No, the discussion was you need to win and go up three to one. Like, put them away. We've seen this way too many times in Beantown where the teams have been up by X amount of games and up. Oh, that's it. It's over now. Look at here with the Mets and the Red Sox years ago. I was having shades of that with how badly the Celtics played down the stretch. Overall, when I look at this finals in retrospect, and I specifically zero in on Jason Tatum, It'll be very fascinating to see what he does in the year to come, specifically the year singular to come. How does this experience really mold him going forward? Chris, you mentioned this. He looks up to Kobe Bryant. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing as what we saw with Giannis. There's been a lot of rumblings in the Boston media. I don't know how accurate it is. Obviously, we're New York based. I'd like to think I'm pretty in tune to what's going on up there. Right. People are a little bit you know, hesitant to say that he's got that killer instinct. I don't know if that's true, but people I love it. I want the doubt. People compare him to another Boston sports figure over on the ice, Tukaresk, who whenever they lost a playoff game, the discussion was, oh, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. People don't want that out of Jason Tatum. This is supposed to be the guy. And Jalen Brown really bailed him out in game six. That wouldn't have been as close as it even was if not for Jalen Brown being present on the court with the 34 points. So I'm looking at Tatum. You got to be the guy. People were talking about splitting you and Brown up. You were going to stay. 
people weren't picking Jalen Brown. They were picking you, the Duke product. You had all this pedigree, and rightfully so. You're a tremendous player, lots of room for growth. But with that being said, it's time to grow and it's time to lead the team, not just be a passenger on the train to a championship. you got to actually drive the train going forward. I feel you. Nick, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, with with Tatum especially, you know, he's the leader. It's supposed to be kind of that clear-cut thing. Uh, Those discussions that were being talked about with him and Jalen Brown, uh, like Colin mentioned, uh, yeah, you were supposed to be the guy. You still are, technically speaking. Uh, But, you know, obviously you look to the star, uh, but then if you want to kind of pick apart who won the sort of matchup uh, or who won or who lost, the Celtics lost themselves the series by not being able to make adjustments. Uh, Adjustments, when you lose a game, you come out, usually in the next game, fixing those problems that you had in the previous loss. Maybe you still lose, but you definitely don't lose because of the same reason. Boston, in game five and six, turned the ball over. It's almost looked like every other possession they were turning the ball over. Uh, And Golden State, in game five, did not shoot particularly well from three at all, which is the bread and butter of their offense, thanks to Steph Curry. Uh, They didn't shoot the ball particularly well at all from deep. Celtics turned the ball over a lot, and that's what bailed them out. So they had a chance in game five if they don't turn the ball over. Game six, obviously the Warriors came out a little sharper, but they don't turn the ball over as much and make an adjustment from game five. That's not the case. So it's very... You know, the adjustments that were not made by Boston is what lost in the series. Obviously, Steph played ridiculously well. Draymond actually stepped up in game six to play very similar basketball to prime Draymond, you would say. And now he's yep. talking, of course. Uh, but I like to see it almost because Golden State did still prove, despite Boston, I, I believe, losing the series for themselves. I think Golden State still at the same time proved they are here to keep winning and full force. I do think it's kind of funny that on Twitter right now, um, the Memphis Grizzlies young guys are talking all this smack oh, being like, we almost beat you guys, <laughs> you know, and, and Clay and Dre are trying so hard with like the funny <laughs> word play. And John Moran is like, if you come to Memphis, I'm going yeah. to rob you. Like, it's just like, what? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, regardless. They're so, angry. They're so bitter. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. So h- here's what I've got next. And it's going to be, a little off topic to the finals, but obviously these finals play a big role in this. I always say that if you're not elite on the defensive end, you're not allowed near my top 10 all-time player list. However, in the com- in the recent years, I've started to create an asterisk for this. And my asterisk has been, if you can elevate your teammates offensively, that outweighs you not being an elite defender so long as you're still above an average on defense, at least good, you know, uh, you might belong near there. And that's when I started thinking to myself, I think Curry might be like a top 12, 13 player ever just because of his impact. And I would say things to myself like, man, if he chips up this year, I don't know what else I'd have to say. And then the playoffs happened and I got so wrapped up in them that at a certain point, I was almost like, oh, of course, the Warriors are going to win this. Look at the Suns. They're not built for this. Look at the Mavs. They don't have a center. Look at the heat. They don't have the scorers. Bucks. Chris Middleton is out. I didn't think of the Celtics as making it. I was like, oh, the Sixers are going to crap out. Um, Yeah, Steph Curry just like did that thing. He just went out on the court and did the thing. Like I, I, I have nothing. I have nothing now. I have nothing for me. It's LeBron Jordan in whatever order you'd like. I personally have Hakeem third all time. Uh, the next couple names uh, out there, you know, magic bird, Kobe Duncan, throw out Russell, throw out Shaq. And 
that is, I believe, nine or ten. Like Curry's Kareem easily, but oh, Kareem, Kareem, right there too. (laughs) Um, okay, so there's ten for sure. Like Steph is in that group. Steph is with those guys. This is no longer like, oh, well, if you're comparing eras, do you really take Steph over Moses Malone? Like, I love Moses Malone. I somehow at 20 years old have an opinion on Moses Malone. However, (laughs) he is not better than Steph Curry. He was not better than Steph. I'm really curious to see what you guys think. It's a yes or no question, but you're free to answer with a little bit more nuance, maybe who you'd bump out or who you're having trouble bumping out. Is Steph Curry top 10 all time? Oh, yes. That's the easiest question you could have asked on this podcast. In terms of order, I'm not quite sure. I think we're all going to have a different order. To be honest, I mean, my top three have stayed the same. Uh, it's been Jordan. It's been LeBron. And for me, it's been Magic have been my top three, just based on what they've been able to do for their team. And you know that pains me to put Magic as my, my third on that list. But If you're talking about changing the game to a degree and really being one of those guys in the court that impacted his teammates, it's Curry. He's on that list at some point. I mean, it has to be top 10 in my mind. Even if you want to look beyond just what happened on the court and look culturally, people like Allen Iverson don't get enough credit for how they were able to really shape and mold the NBA into what it is today. The same way that I think Bird doesn't get enough credit, along with Magic, for that era of NBA hoops. I think... When we're old and gray, we'll look back on the NBA and translate it to whatever it is at that time, and we'll automatically think Steph Curry. The game is the way it is now, for better or worse, because of Steph Curry. I mean, just look at the evolution of spacing. Look at the evolution of three-point shooting. The fact that now you don't necessarily need a floor general like Chris Paul to distribute the ball. You can have a forward be your point guard, someone like a Marcus Smart, who's that hybrid. I fought that for the longest time. I was a traditionalist. I thought you needed somebody that was that guy on the court, a Rayshon Rondo, a Bob Cousy, a Frazier that was going to distribute the ball and find his teammates open. People like Curry kind of changed that because, yeah, he's a guard, but he's not really going to be the best distributor in the world. But if you get him the ball, you better be sure he can't hit that three from whatever spot he's in if you're the defense because he's a threat from anywhere on the court. And I think something like that also impacts how forwards play today. Because now they have more freedom to distribute, more freedom to maybe play inside or outside, whatever is to their liking. So when we're talking about top 10 lists, Curry has to be in strong consideration. And for my money, he's definitely top 10 all time. It's, I think, a no doubter at this point. And the way I look at it, it is a no doubter because guys who are the top players to ever play the game usually are that way because they changed it. They revolutionized it and they became the best at their game which is the modern NBA for Steph Curry. The Michael Jordan obviously was the best athlete the game had ever seen. That's how he changed the game. LeBron came in and really, in, in all facets, kind of with the way he can move and pass. It's it's every one of these eras has really a guy who comes in yep. and just changes the game completely. I think that's what not even puts you top 10, just puts you in a whole different category of uh, of greatness. I think, you know, I love as much as I love, love, love Tim Duncan and the Spurs and, and winning you know, Tim Duncan, I don't think, has as much of an effect or an impact as a Stephen Curry will, just because Steph Curry, the, the way he plays the game now is the game, and that's what we're looking at. Duncan at the time played a great game. But Steph's, uh, you can throw in the accolades and talk and all that, but and all that that you want, uh, but Steph's ability to just really, it's, it's basketball is a different sport almost than it was 20 years ago. Sure, you dribble and shoot, 
Uh, but I think you can find anyone, any young player who likes to play the game of basketball, their favorites, it's shooting nowadays because of Steph Curry. He's really, I think you can always argue in current day, change the game the most out of anyone. Uh, but that's really what kind of makes you in that GOAT talk where Michael changed the game, LeBron changed the game, Steph changed the game, Magic, Larry, you know, those guys, uh, it's, it's hard to kind of place him in a number. I've always had, you know, you can have a top 10 and kind of switch him in. Uh, I think yeah, Steph, fluid. In that top five talks have been a little crazy because the guy's still playing and it's not like LeBron where he's 38 years old and still breaking all these records. Steph's got a little more time to to kind of crack that list with his age. Uh, but I think you have to say he's top 10 undoubtedly at this point. The greatest shooter ever, only unanimous MVP for, for a reason as he proved with this finals run. Yeah, man, absolutely. I think uh, two points in response to you, Nick. With LeBron, what he really revolutionized, just like a, a fun fact, but also kind of my opinion, I guess, um, was non-point guards running pick and roll. That's super normal nowadays. That was not normal when I was born, right? So that's really cool of him. Secondly, I think the word you may have been looking for with Steph was gravity, like just his gravity on the court. Um, there are guys like, he literally just when he has the basketball or when he doesn't, he commands a ridiculous level of defensive attention. There are clips from the NBA finals of all five Celtics defenders looking right at him and like all kind of arranged to stop him leaving Draymond, leaving, you know, uh, leaving Looney or Porter, whoever it was like they don't care because if Draymond gets hot from three, he's making three for the game. <laughs> If Steph is cold from three, he's probably made three by accident. So, uh, you, you know, it's just like, what are you going to do? Look at what the Milwaukee Bucks did uh, last year in the finals guarding Devin Booker. They let him get going because they figured if he's going as a scorer and that's what the offense is going to every time, well, that's either going to work or it's not. But the Bucks offense, they can score every time by getting the best shots. And Steph, well, he just exists and gets you the best shots right so that it's just a different level of dominance and yeah that's why he's in my top 10 now as well i think i'm not gonna say he needs to be in your top 10 all time or else like you shouldn't waste time watching yeah. the sport because you don't understand it or whatever but like if he's not in your top 10 all time and then he's not 11 or 12 i you're probably like 60. I don't know. I don't know how but it like you've probably got like Oscar Robertson ahead of him for reasons I'll never be able to understand. And that's OK. That's all right. You know, that's completely OK. There's nothing wrong with being 60. I know there's a 70 year old I interact with on Twitter all the time. I ask him for information on Wilt. I ask him for information on guys like Kareem and Moses and these these old big men that he just he has a wealth of knowledge on. There's nothing wrong with being an elder basketball fan. I just there's a trend where like they don't like how the game is played nowadays. So they dock Curry because of his role in that when it's his role in that being so large. That's so impressive, as you were saying, Nick. So I really liked your take there. And then Colin, I just I love the confidence on that. I love yeah. the confidence on that one. I've got to get now back to this NBA finals wrap around here. A little legacy talk was needed, but I want to spend the rest of this episode just kind of doing a little round table uh, on each of the teams. We can start with Boston because I think they're, as I said earlier, their flaws were had the flight, the, the brightest lights shined on them. And uh, maybe those cuts look a little uglier than they should under the microscope, but a one and a four, man, 
that's all I've got. Like Al Horford, De Lo Mio, you know, I root for my Dominican players shamelessly, but he's not doing this again. He's not like if we're being realistic, he's not going to get nine months of paid vacation from Sam Presti and Oklahoma City so that he can regular season so that once he has over 12 months of paid rest time, he can go try hard Super Saiyan in the NBA finals. Was he better than Draymond Green that series? Yes, absolutely. However, I don't see him replicating that kind of success. And it's because of that that I think the Celtics really do need to look into acquiring a four. If you can sell high on Horford right now, I know it's evil. I know. I know it's so evil. But like Horford and Smart out for a young four and a one. I'm not saying do this trade because I think they would be losing it. But it's about the philosophy like Jaden McDaniels and D'Angelo Russell. Um as a return for Herford and smart. If there's other assets back from Minnesota, obviously I wouldn't do this. If I were Boston, it's about the philosophy of the trade. It's about turning smart and Horford and you trust with the ball in their hands when there's two minutes left in game seven and someone younger, I think Boston might have to take a look at this and be like, okay, this was our year. Let's see what we can do to make two years from now our year again. Like, I don't know if you're going to find yourselves back in the finals next season off of the, you know, the the Super Bowl hangover, as I call it. Like the I I just I think that good teams and we're going to get to this with Golden States, but I want to hear your guys thoughts on Boston first. Like, I think good teams, even if they win, they don't need to you know rip everything apart and start from scratch just for fun. But there's something to keeping it fresh. That's really valuable in a league where you rarely see repeat championships or three-peat championships are nearly impossible. A league like the NFL, much more year to year, you know, definitely uh, impossible to build a dynasty in that league. But the NBA, we've seen dynasties built. And I don't see this Celtics core as constructed, especially given how much guys are getting paid and the fact that they haven't hit on picks like Neesmith as well as they've liked uh, yeah, I think they could use a little shakeup. I'm not saying go get D'Angelo Russell and Jaden McDaniels. It's about if they gave two first round picks for that in Minnesota as well, and you could go, they would never do that. But like if you could get a first round pick and then parlay that with someone into a better upgrade, there's something to shaking up this team just a tinge in a way that promotes Tatum as the real leader, but gets him a ball handler, you know, Ricky Rubio is like all but given to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'd love him as a backup point guard for Boston. I'm not saying get him as your starter. I'm not saying replace smart with him. I just think there's something to, even if off the bench, adding to this team's ball handling because they couldn't get a bucket. Like that half court offense was really nasty, gross stuff. And as someone who actually really likes the Jays pairing Tatum and Brown, I think there are moves you can make to optimize them that don't involve throwing the same group at a wall and hoping they stick this year after you watch them painfully slide off it last year. Like there's something to keep in it fresh. I'm not saying tear the team apart. I'm not saying combine smart and ship him out of town with Horford at the nearest notice. But like if a team comes to you willing to overpay for smart and Horford in a package deal that gets you a reliable one and a switchable defensive four. That's about a decade younger than Al Horford and still giving somewhat close to his contributions on offense. There's, there's something to be said about looking into that Colin. I'm going to let you respond first because you are the Celtics fan here and you were uh, a little, little disgusted 
had my idea there for a second. Well, so I got to hear it from you. Maybe not disgusted, more surprised than anything else, solely because I'm going to find myself defending Marcus Smart here, yeah. which is a sentence I never thought I'd say before this season. I, I get your point about maybe trying to get younger away from Horford, but to ship off Smart at this point would be very hard. He made it hard this year. Last year, I would have looked at you and I would have said, yeah, Chris, you, you might got a point. We, we should probably look into maybe sending them elsewhere. But when you win defensive player of the year and when the team is predicated on this defensive presence that starts and ends with Marcus Smart, I, I don't know if it's smart to get rid eh, No pun very much intended there, I suppose. I don't think it's intelligent to get rid of him at this stage in the game. I look at their team overall, and there's work that needs to be done. I don't think you tear it down. I think there's definite things you could do. Maybe more scoring that could be created off the dribble is something I'd like to see. I think they have a lot of spot-up shooters. Like Grant Williams can only shoot when it's spot-up. Same with Pritchard. None of these guys are really off-the-dribble type of guys. I would like to see them get someone that's a little bit more like that, more of that freestyle jazz component to their game. I don't think you accomplish that by getting rid of Marcus Smart. But to your point on Horford, you might have to look at getting younger. I mean, to do what he did during this playoff run is remarkable considering his age. And considering the fact this is his second stint in Boston. I mean, the yep. first, everyone looked at him and went, oh, well, you're not what you were with Atlanta. But we like having you around. You do some nice things. And this year, it was like, oh, you I didn't know you had this in you. And we watching, need you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then watching his dad on the sideline, like, oh, man, it was great. Real good story to have the father on the sideline. But, yeah, I think you're on to something in that you don't have to tear it down. Do I look at this team and think dynasty? No. But I could see them making another run at it in another year or so. I don't think the competition around them is getting any worse. That's where I would be concerned with the Celtics, where we don't know how Tatum's going to respond. Like, if we knew right now, that Tatum's going to be an alpha dog leader next year. Then I say, all right, maybe there's something to getting rid of smart and trying to get younger and get more athletic and better at ball handling. But the fact of the matter is smart and Horford were the leaders of the Celtics team. It was widely publicized that those two guys were the ones that teammates looked to for encouragement. The teammates looked to for a vibe check, things like that. I mean, we know that this famous tweet by Jalen Brown now, but he, him and Tatum were scorers, but a lot of times they were passengers. Horford and Smart drove the bus, so to speak. They made sure that the team got to where they needed to be defensively. So the fact that we don't know what Tatum's going to turn into next year gives me reason to say let's keep Smart around because I don't see the competition getting any worse. I thought they were very lucky to get by Milwaukee. I did not think Brooklyn was going to fall apart as quickly as they did. I, I don't gorgeous, know. gorgeous right. downfall. Exactly. I don't know what this is going to look like for us next year, but overall, they're a good team. They're going to be back in the playoffs. The question is, how much stock do you put into the young guys going forward, and can they up their game? I've been I've been saying for a while with the with the Celtics that they're probably the most talented team that was in the playoffs solely because of the duo of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. There's no other duo. I mean, I guess you could say Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, but I don't even know the Nets are a strange team to count into anything nowadays. But those guys, the talent there is off the charts. And when they put it together was when the Celtics would blow out Miami. It was the games when they beat Golden State pretty comfortably. 
Uh, when those guys put it together, it's very clear that they can win. It's just hard for it to happen every time. I still feel like it's, it's more important almost to look to the Brown and Tatum idea just because they are your head guys. I think it would be bad to get rid of Smart and Horford unless you could kind of find a way to get guys that would be you know good replacements. I've thought of maybe like a Mike Conley could be good for them, who his time in Utah hasn't necessarily gone great either. And with Utah looking to change things up, maybe that could be explored. Uh, I think, uh, Colin, I think you mentioned kind of like that freestyle score for them. That is something they're missing because Brown and Tatum uh, are in the starting lineup. They don't have that guy on the bench. I didn't think uh, D'Angelo Russell was a totally evil suggestion. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I just think they might need a natural point guard because a lot of times Tatum found himself distributing if he couldn't shoot. But maybe he's not worried about not being able to shoot if he knows another guy's going to be making the plays. I don't know. If it could be just a thought, but it's interesting with him. He had the most assists in a yeah. finals debut ever. I mean, he that's just a, ridiculous. No, he was a fantastic playmaker, but it's also he wasn't scoring the ball well. So maybe that's part of it. That's why he wasn't scoring. I don't know. But anyway, I, I kind of look at the way that those two either click 100% and dominate teams or only one of them's on or they're both off and then they – struggle or barely squeak by i think that's kind of still the big issue where then maybe you need a, a guy off the bench like uh i mean jordan Poole clearly was it for golden state the majority of the season uh i was thinking maybe a, a different jordan, jordan. ah yeah. great minds think yeah. alike a different jordan jordan clarkson and mike conley that's kind of a package i've been just thinking like if they could do that conley is a certified guy who who will come in and come come in and play every day the exact way you want him to and clarkson is just an electrifying score for them to come off the bench and will have no ego issues coming off the bench i think it's hard to put jalen and jason in the conversation of like are they equals you know it's it's very iffy because jalen brown has games where he shows it jason tatum has games where he shows it if they both show it no one beats them and i think that's something that still will come with maybe this was the year where they're like okay we were there we should have had it next year let's go get it we're not wasting any more time and Maybe they both make adjustments. Maybe they both take equal blame and find a way to kind of lift this team. Because I do really believe those two are top three duo, just pure talent and potential still. They're both so young uh, to keep going and, and really grow. I think that's kind of the thing for the Celtics. Maybe make a move here or there if you feel like it could benefit your core. That's always what it should be about. Tatum and Brown can work. It's just you got to keep building them up and building them to be able to play to the best of their abilities. Yeah, I like both of your thoughts here. I, I actually really like the Jordan Clarkson idea. Um, not sure with Marcus Smart's shot selection and the clutch how badly they need a Jordan Clarkson. But then again, if he's really the sixth man, he would not be on the court with Smart. So, yeah, um, I, I just, you know, as a big Emmanuel Quickly fan, I'm definitely on the you don't need a pure point guard that plays how your youth pastor taught you. You have to play point guard to like win a championship. I think good players can win basketball games. You know, I, Tom Thibodeau has a quote. I have a bias towards good players in terms yeah. of him explaining why he plays who he does. And it's his jerk way of saying, I think this guy's better, but like I have a bias towards good players, you know, like uh, it kind of means something, yeah. right? At a certain point, you're going to take a guy because he's who he is. Um, I really think that they're set at the wing spots, the Jays, I think they're set at center. Now, listen, I really hope Rob Will is okay health-wise. A little concerning with his knee, these stories coming out. But, man, this team is close to being like, holy crap, the season hasn't started and they're a title favorite level good. I just like going into next year, I'd put my money on the Clippers winning the ring next year before the Celtics. I just 
I think I like how they're going to be built better. Um, if you don't have that pure point guard, having two wings that can handle the ball instead of one and a quarter, it's better, right? So, yeah, I, I just I, I think they're close. So I'll leave the Celtics discussion here, but I think there's a lot of good points the three of us made in regards to how they could improve, why they should improve in that way, <laughs> some ways for them to do it. Uh, I know Miami, there's no trade for hero, but like that kind of guy, that kind. Hey, hey, actually, if Beal makes his way down south and Washington would take something from Boston instead of here, there's a three team trade. I'm having too much fun over here. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, let's get it. Let's get on to the Warriors. Now we're just talking about keeping things fresh. This team just won a championship with essentially the the same important core that helped them win, you know, the three others that they've won in our short time as as fans of this league compared to a lot of other people. Um, Curry, Clay, Dre, it, it seems like none of them are going anywhere. I would say, not to continue this rhyming scheme, but uh, <laughs> that moving Clay might be something they want to look into. That would be my evil devil on the shoulder suggestion would be because of his decline, because of how many millions of U.S. dollars you have committed to him for the several amount of years that you have those dollars committed. If you want to win another ring, you might want to move him. I also raised the point that it doesn't matter and I don't care because keeping this core together at this point might be more important than anything else. I'm curious to see where you guys stand on that. I'm curious to see what kind of improvements you guys think this team could make versus should make if you see a difference between the two. Just your thoughts in general. Nick, I want to start with you here because we've been going to Colin a lot as our resident Boston sports fan, but we'll start with you on Golden State. Uh, I think you don't touch any of the core. Obviously, you just mentioned it as a thought, and I think you stated there again, like, yeah, they don't need much work when you are a champion. Uh, you're a champion for a reason. Uh, they, they're kind of going to be the favorites, I think, just again, because they showed that they are still the same Golden State team. Uh, arguably, if not better, I think this squad is better than the, the first win from 2015 that they had. I think that one was a little more iconic just with the, the crazy season Steph had as his first MVP. Uh, but... Uh, Andrew Wiggins, I think you do whatever you can to keep him too because there's a chance that that guy just keeps getting better playing in that system. Oh, he's uh, part of that core now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You have Jordan Poole on a team option again. Keep him on that bench roll. Don't think about starting him. You know, that's he's a sixth man guy that's going to come in and be explosive. I think James Wiseman, you know, uh, there's a chance he comes back and can be the potential number two talent pick that he was. Uh, it's a scary thing that Golden State still has, I think, the best thing that could happen for them and the worst thing that could happen for the league was those two years of almost recharge for them where they, you know, kind of clay was hurt. He's rehabbing. Steph was hurt. He's rehabbing. Uh, Draymond played his games, but obviously Draymond's not going to go out there and win you a title on his own. You get these picks, you get younger guys, you make these trades, you know, now they're back and they're fresh. Almost. They have fresh legs behind them to play the minutes that frankly, they haven't even needed to play yet because Steph clay and Dre have shown that they're still there as a trio. Plus Andrew Wiggins kind of, picking up, I think, the age that those guys are dragging along with them now, getting older. Not that they're inefficient. Clearly, Steph Curry showed it. Clay is dropping a little bit. Draymond here and there. But with with Wiggins, I think that is the most important kind of security. I believe he still has another year on his contract. Yeah. So okay. 
to stay uh, regional, he had Tatum and Rikers. So yeah, literally, that's that's the thing. He was if Steph Curry was not there, he's the Finals MVP. Uh, maybe not for he had that one big scoring game, but he rebound like crazy and he played defense like crazy. Uh, it was Wiggins is kind of the not future, obviously that's a weird word to to, to use for Golden State, but almost the glue that keeps them together for a talent's sake. Yeah, Vermont, you know, they say he's the leader, and then Steph Curry's Curry. Clay's the missing piece, but Wiggins, I think, is more so that missing piece, um, which is why I think you mentioned potentially moving Clay. I think Wiggins is the real guy that is almost a new Clay. He is the second scoring option. He is guarding the best guy on the court more often than not. Uh, Clay's taking a back seat towards that, but that also works for them because Clay doesn't have to do as much anymore. Maybe because he can't consistently, but doesn't have to. So these guys are really set, I think, to get back there, but I also, you know, I'm not opposed to them kind of making additions. Don't lose anyone. I think it's always tough to keep a championship squad together. Uh, but Gary Payton the second sign him, man under his money. Uh, I think there's things that has have to keep together. I think they will. Uh, this team is just such a formula for winning. They've created such a good formula for winning uh, that now that they're back here, it's it's it, you'd be wrong to say they're not favorites to win it again. So I think they're set as long as they keep the same guys together, which they will. Yeah, it's tough to pick a team other than Golden State just because of how our minds work as fans like going into this NBA playoffs, pretty much every single lead analyst at a, you know, an ESPN or an athletic, they had a Suns bucks finals rematch. And I thought that was so unlikely, but I heard about it so much. I was like, Oh, it's going to happen. It's just because that's what we had seen, you know, as basketball fans, there's a lot we have to project every single off season. We're projecting guys development. We don't know them. We don't spend the off season with them. We don't know what they're working on. There's a lot of guesswork that goes on as a basketball fan. And uh, yeah, I think that's where it can maybe go a little wrong. But uh, with in terms of the Warriors young core, like Poole, Kuminga, Moody, Wiseman, if James can come back and be that infusion of even just I had him number 14 in that draft. I was really low on James Wiseman, but I still had him as a lottery caliber talent. If he can just come and be a lottery caliber talent, that's really big for them. That's really big. That's a dimension they don't have is, is a star talent at, at, at their big, right? Because Dre is aging. So he is what he is, and he is elite at what he is. But that role is shrinking over time, and they, they need someone to fill that gap uh, down low. I think Wiseman really could do it. I still think that shouldn't stop them from investing in something there. I know Looney. Uh, did his thing, so you continue to start him. But, man, those Draymond Looney minutes were killing them. They literally had to cut them. So, I, I don't know, man. Andre Iguodala was just tweeting on Twitter, like, I can't run it back because everyone's telling him to retire. Like, yes, dude. No, you can't. You, you were bad. Um, I, I watched game one. I had the Warriors winning, and my only takeaway was – I don't know what to say about this series until Steve Kerr cuts the Andre Iguodala minutes. You cannot fairly analyze the Warriors if they have three non-shooters on the court. It's just not, nothing is going to work. After that, once he took away the Iguodala minutes, I said, assuming he does, we're going to be 1-1 after two games. We're going to be 2-2 after four games, and the Warriors are going to win the next two because the Celtics don't have the ball handling to keep up. It played out exactly like that. 
it's funny how my vision was clear until before or after the Iggy minutes when he was playing. I had no idea what to make of this team for someone with such a small role to have such a big impact on my view of the team is really concerning. He should not play uh, Moody and Kuminga were drafted and are being developed so that he does not play like. Yeah, I, that's one change already. Getting Wiseman back is another change already. So I agree with you in the sense that they don't need to do major shakeups. You know, they don't need to trade clay. They don't need to do any of these things. They can really just keep building because of how they've drafted recently. They bet on Steph being good enough for taking a project like Kuminga to not matter. And holy crap, (laughs) did that just pay off? Now they have Kuminga going into year two being added. It's just like, wow, man. This team is set up for the future. That's scary. Um, Obviously, you know, there are a couple prospects. I think I would love to see them acquire someone like EJ Liddell would do wonders. And he's not even some flashy name out of this draft. He's just going to be out of their range. He's going to, you know, he's going to go in the mid first Uh, later in the draft. Even guys like a Justin Lewis from Marquette, six, seven NBA body. He reminds me of a Morris brother, Morris twin. Um, kind of has that like herky jerkiness on the ball, that enforcer mindset. Someone like that could be a fun add to this team. I think they should just keep fortifying their wing core. I really wouldn't recommend they make any major moves. Uh, with all that said, really quick, I have to ask now that now that the Golden State Warriors defeated the team that was that swept Kevin Durant's team after Kevin Durant left the Golden State Warriors to make his own team and prove he could do it on his own. Is this the nail in the coffin for the KD is better than Steph argument just not being a thing? Do you guys think that's over? Do you still believe KD is better than Steph? Really quick, each of you, how do you feel about that? Because this is something that gets talked about a lot, and then we'll wrap up here. No, I still think KD is better than Steph. I think Steph is a better unit player and what i mean by that is he's a guy as a singular piece that impacts all of the people around him he helps you build a cohesive unit kevin durant is kind of like well he's kind of like having a nice car right i mean you can drive it when the weather's nice it looks very good it gets you a lot of attention but you can't drive that thing in the snow so when you get your snow outside your house you're not driving that type of car stephen curry is very much that type of car through wind through sleet through rain. He's the type of car that's going to get you where you needed to go. And as a player, he's the type of player that's going to help you in terms of development with other teammates, in terms of development as a franchise. Kevin Durant has not proven to be that type of player yet. This is his chance to do so now that the Nets are kind of in a state of limbo. I think Kevin Durant is still a better player, but I don't think he's as good a team builder as Steph Curry. Yeah, they're very Similar players, I would say, just the the ability to score anytime, anywhere. Uh, but I think, yeah, Colin, that's a great comparison. I think Kevin Durant is the better player. You know, individually, Kevin Durant, I always would pick him as my, you know, one-on-one guy just because he has everything you would need. But uh, Steph, yeah, he's done it. Uh, he did it but without Kevin Durant before, and they did it again uh, because of that unit. It's not just Steph. It's not just Draymond's leadership and, you know, all that everyone plays the part and they do their thing. I think it's hard to say Steph is you put you swap their teams, I think Golden State probably still wins and Brooklyn might have a similar outcome. Uh but that's not how you rank, you know, a player uh who's better 
it's it's you know sometimes you look at same this is very similar to me as the MVP talk I think where you you know could say LeBron James could have won MVP every year because he was the better player uh, but why did Steve Nash win it back to back years well he was leading the good team he was being the unit player uh, so I think that's kind of the comparison there I don't really know if that actually gives an answer but I think at the same time uh, that's kind of the point too you know it's it's Steph's playing with the unit they they're winning Kevin Durant's fabulous uh, but they're struggling. It's hard to find an answer, but I think Steph with a unit is potentially more valuable uh, than Kevin Durant with his Nets team right now. Fair. I think Steph is the better player now, the better player all time. I am a believer that this, that Kevin Durant leaving Steph Curry to prove he could win on his own, to get swept in the first round by the team that made it to the finals and lost to Steph Curry, that to me is just too perfect. That's too perfect. I mean, as a, as a Nick fan, as someone who got introduced to the NBA because I fell in love with the games of New York's Carmelo Anthony, Cleveland's Kyrie Irving, and Oklahoma City's Kevin Durant, for KD and Kyrie to team up on the Nets was very painful to me. I always secretly wanted to see them do well, even if I didn't want them to win the ring. I wanted to see them. I wanted to see them play and be fun. And they couldn't even do that, man. Kyrie dropped 39 against Boston. Giannis dropped 40 against Boston. Jimmy Buckets dropped 40 against Boston. The greatest scorer of all time, according to many, Kevin Durant, was nowhere to be found on that list. He couldn't do it. I'm not saying dropping 40 points is a must, but if you're going to be talked about on that level, well, Steph giving them 34 and three quarters doesn't really help your case. So <laughs> I, I, that's, that's my take on that. I am going to take this opportunity of our conversation here, wrapping up to wrap up this episode of Pick and Pod. I had a really great time talking ball with you guys this was a fun conversation i think we covered some topics in interesting ways which is always a goal of mine on here I have some weird discussions that bring out some interesting debates and points i i think we did that today so i, I can't thank you guys enough for joining me for the rest of the station here at wfuv sports our sports director is bobby chiaferdini and we thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of pick and pod stay tuned for more